Welcome to the Husband Material Podcast, where we help Christian men outgrow porn. Why? So you can change your brain, heal your heart, and save your relationship. My name is Drew Boa, and I'm here to show you how. Let's go. Today, we are talking about unwanted sexual attraction. So in order to explain this term, unwanted sexual attraction, and how it fits into the wider conversation, I want to explain some terms from the Bible, from Patrick Carnes, from Bill Herring, and from Jay Stringer. And before you assume that this message does or does not apply to you, let me be very clear. We all have unwanted sexual attraction of one kind or another. It could be for the same sex. It could be for the opposite sex. It could be a fetish for an object. It could even be a sexual attraction to an animal. Things that we don't usually talk about. We all have unwanted sexual attraction because we are all sexually broken. As human beings, we are born into a world where we have inherited this thing called sin and the effects of sin. And sin permeates every part of us, including our desires and including our urges and impulses, our fantasies, the things that we want. And very interestingly, sometimes the things that we want are not the same as the things that we like. Sometimes we like things that we don't want. We want things that we don't like. And that is where unwanted sexual attraction comes in. So today I want to introduce this as a term, as an addition to this ongoing conversation about sexuality, specifically within the Christian community. And I want everyone to be able to start talking about this with some degree of fluency. In my book, Redeem Sexuality, the very first session is all about learning the language, learning to talk about this stuff. And this is a term that I feel we all need in our vocabulary. And by the way, unwanted sexual attraction is not the same as sin. So I want to go through some different terms, the history behind them, and then talk about where this term fits in, because I feel it's very, very important, especially when it comes to freedom from porn, because porn and a struggle with compulsively using it almost always involves some level of attraction that you wish was not there. Something has a magnetic pull on you and maybe you don't understand it. Maybe you feel like you've always had it. Maybe you feel like it's just part of who you are. That's totally normal. Today, we're going to talk about it and why it's so important. Okay, let's start with some history and let's start with some vocabulary. What do I mean when I say unwanted sexual attraction is not the same as sexual sin? In the Bible, this category of sin is ancient. It's way older than any other term that we have for our sexual behavior. So I want to start with that and specifically the definition that I give in my book, Redeem Sexuality. Sexual sin is any attitude or action that departs from or rebels against God's design for sexuality. Sexual sin is any attitude or action that departs from God's design or rebels against God's design for sexuality. So this is something that we all experience, that we all have. Our hearts are not completely attuned to God. Even if you've been free from porn for years, 
that doesn't mean you're free fully from sexual sin. And we all deal with sexual sin at one level or another. Even if you've been free from porn for years, don't assume that means that you don't have any sin in your life. Your attitudes and your actions and my attitudes and my actions are always needing to come back into alignment with God's. That's what we call repentance. So repentance is ongoing. And I hope that it lasts far, far, far beyond your freedom from porn. So sin is this category of attitudes and actions. It doesn't necessarily include attractions. Attractions are things that we don't choose. We experience them. They're not conscious choices. They're not commitments. That's what sin is. And sin is something that I still am dealing with today. Let me give you a little overview of where we are with sin. At this point in time, no matter where you are in your journey to freedom, already Jesus has freed you from the penalty of sin. Currently, he is freeing you and he is freeing me from the power of sin. And one day he will free us from the very presence of sin. One day it will be impossible to sin. Until then, we're still dealing with it at some level. And there's another term which is very biblical and very important that I want to bring to the table, which is sexual brokenness. Now, sin is something that we do, but sexual brokenness is something that actually can be the result of what is done to us. And just like we are all sexually sinful, we are also all sexually broken. And before you think to yourself, well, that sounds very depressing. I want you to know that within the idea of brokenness, there is also goodness. Something actually can't be broken unless it's fundamentally good. So this term sexual brokenness is so biblical because it's highlighting the goodness of our sexuality while also acknowledging that it has come under the curse of sin, that we have been sinned against, that we have inherited brokenness. In my free ebook, Sexuality Meets Discipleship, I talk about sexual brokenness as vandalism, disease, and poverty. It's vandalizing God's good design. And sometimes we have been vandalized. It's disease. It's subtle. It's not often as blatant and obvious as graffiti on a wall. It sometimes creeps in over time and the symptoms are subtle. It's like a disease. We didn't choose to be sexually broken or to be born into a sexually broken world. And it's also like poverty because it's the lack of deep wholeness and harmony in our relationship with God and other people and ourselves. So that is a little bit of a biblical perspective on sin and brokenness. And I want to put unwanted sexual attraction in the category of brokenness, not in the category of sin. In the clinical world, there have been some other definitions and terms that I want to bring up because I feel like they're helpful for this conversation. Back in the 1980s, a man named Dr. Patrick Carnes first started speaking and writing and researching about a topic which became known as sex addiction. He coined the term sexual addiction and his book Out of the Shadows was one of the first to talk about this. Now, the language of sex addiction is not something you're often going to hear on husband material, I don't often say I help people with sex addiction because that term is so contested. It's a source of disagreement 
among Christians, among clinicians about, okay, well, what exactly counts as addiction? And is it even a real thing? Um, or is it just sin? Or should we just use that category of brokenness? Why do we need to use this modern language of addiction? While the term sexual addiction has really helped a lot of people, I believe that it's not the primary term that I want to use because it can often become an identity to say, I am a sexual addict or I am sexually addicted can make it feel like it's part of who I am. And as you know, on this show, I always like to say porn and your struggle with porn is not who you are. You are God's beloved son. And in you, he is well-pleased. So that language of sexual addiction began emerging in the 1980s and 90s. And even in the 2000s, that was the primary term that people were using while talking about freedom from this thing, right? What is the thing? Patrick Carnes founded an organization called ITAP, the International Institute for Trauma and Addiction Professionals, which is where I was trained as a PSAP, Pastoral Sex Addiction Professional. It's the same organization that trains CSATs, Certified Sex Addiction Therapists. I know this is a lot of information. The reason I'm telling you this is because one of those therapists is named Bill Herring. And in 2017, Bill published an article in the Journal of Sexual Addiction and Compulsivity that came up with a new term in order to help us talk about this thing without the language of addiction. He came up with the term problematic sexual behavior, PSB. And here are some of the questions that he uses to help people understand if they have PSB, just a way for us to talk about this problem. The five questions are, number one, are you keeping your promises with your sexual behavior? Number two, are you okay with what you are doing? Number three, are you protecting others? Number four, is everything okay? In other words, are the consequences good? And number five, are you in control of yourself? When the answers to those questions are no, we are dealing with problematic sexual behavior, even if it doesn't fit the clinical definition of sexual addiction. And that was an important contribution to this field. That article won an award. And since then, there has been one more important contributor to this conversation, Jay Stringer who in his book, Unwanted, began using the term unwanted sexual behavior, USB. So now we have PSB and USB, even though USB kind of sounds like that port in the side of my computer where I plug in the wire to my devices. These terms have been helpful because talking about the behavior separates it from my identity and it takes away a lot of the academic debates. And I really like Jay's term, unwanted sexual behavior, because it's focusing on our desires, on our longings, and oftentimes the longings behind our sexual fantasies. In fact, I would say always the longings and the aches and the desires behind our behaviors are often good. They often need to be blessed. They often need to be accepted, even if the behavior has become problematic. I love these developments. I love the way that the conversation is changing in order to reflect the goodness of our sexuality, the goodness of who we are, and the goodness of God's design, while also being very precise about what we're dealing with 
and what we want to be free from. So here's my contribution to the conversation. I want to introduce the idea of unwanted sexual attraction. Now, people have been talking about attraction a lot, especially in the Christian community. The term same-sex attraction has become very normal. And it's a way of differentiating from homosexuality, which often connotes uh, behavior or an identity. Um, If you say, I'm gay, that often implies a certain lifestyle or a certain quality of who you are, rather than saying same-sex attraction, which is just talking about a preference or a type of arousal. And then within that conversation, there's also the term opposite sex attraction, which is pretty straightforward. Here's what I want to do. I want to take SSA and OSA and put them under this umbrella of unwanted sexual attraction. Because even though we all are attracted to different things, if we are trying to outgrow porn, if we want deeper healing and freedom and wholeness and maturity in our lives, if we want to be sexually healthy men of God, then we are all in the same boat, my friends. We're created in the image of God. We are all sexually broken by what we have done and by what has been done to us and even by what was not done that should have been done when we were little. And as a result, we have twisted attractions. I believe if we want to be free at the deepest level, we need to engage our attractions. And it's so helpful for us all to have common language that we can all identify with, that we can all deal with. And I believe this term unwanted sexual attraction is so valuable because it includes same-sex attraction. It includes opposite-sex attraction. It includes attraction to objects or animals, which can also be sources of sexual stimulation. This is a term that I hope reduces our shame. And yes, I know it's kind of awkward that the abbreviation for it is USA. Personally, I am not going to use that acronym because I don't think it would be helpful. My goal is to reduce the barriers, to remove the barriers so that we can talk about this freely and openly with less shame, with more grace, with more compassion, and with precision. So there you have it. We're talking about sexual sin, brokenness, addiction, problematic sexual behavior, and unwanted sexual behavior, which are basically synonyms, and now this term unwanted sexual attraction. I hope that this term becomes more widely used because it is so, so critical to address if we want to find deep and lasting freedom from porn. We need to deal with our unwanted sexual attractions. Now you might be asking, okay, what do I do with my attractions? And I have an excellent episode about this called, what should I do with my sexual desires? Go listen to that for some ideas. But for this concept of attractions specifically, which is more of a surface level than the desires, which are much deeper those core longings, here's what I would say. Four things. Number one, talk about it. And this is probably the hardest step to actually talk about the things that we're attracted to that we don't want to like, but we do. For you, it could be miniskirts. 
For me, it's a sexual fetish. For me, it's also been power and domination. For you, it might be a specific age, a specific body type. It could be a specific kind of personality that you don't like, but you're drawn into relationships with these people time and time again. Could be to the same sex, could be to the opposite sex. Whatever it is, can you talk about it? Maybe there's a feature of porn which has such a stronghold in your heart and you're not sure why. Can we at least talk about it? That's the first step. Just to name, what is that attraction? And then number two is to understand it. See where it's coming from. And this is difficult. This takes hard work to see where it's coming from out of my childhood, to see where it's coming from out of my sexual formation and development, my sexual deformation. Maybe it has a story of abuse behind it or neglect or trauma. Maybe it's something that you really loved. And you know what I've discovered about my unwanted sexual attractions? In some ways, they actually came from something beautiful, something that I loved, something that was good, even though I hated myself for liking these things or wanting the things that I didn't like. Understanding at a deeper level takes time, takes work. And it can only happen when we start talking about it. When we talk about our attractions and we begin to see the story behind them, we can understand them. Then number three, this one will sound the weirdest and the most counterintuitive, appreciate it. Appreciate even your most twisted and broken unwanted sexual attractions. How do you do that? When you can talk about them and understand them. Doesn't mean you embrace the attraction in the sense of releasing it and allowing yourself to indulge in it. But can you appreciate and bless the good desire that it's connected to? And that's what the other episode is all about. What should I do with my desires? Getting down to the core of that need, of that good and holy longing to be accepted or to be powerful or to be loved, to be pursued, to be at peace, to be known. Whatever it is that the sexual attraction itself symbolizes, that your heart has been hungry for, that is what you can appreciate. And when you do this, you might even find that the attraction begins to lose its power over you. Not saying that all attractions can change and be converted. What I am saying is that the magnetic pull that we feel towards things can loosen up once we can talk about it, once we can understand it, and once we can appreciate it. There's such a deep peace that I see with the stories of the men that I've helped. When I ask them, how do you feel now being at this place in the journey? Now that we've taken this adventure through your childhood into the present, 
towards this future that God has for you. How do you feel? A lot of times they'll say, I have more peace. Why? Because they've learned to appreciate their sexuality, even their unwanted sexual attractions. You can only do that when we're talking about it and understanding it. And after you do appreciate it, then number four, we can manage our attractions. We can regulate. We can learn how to live as mature, healthy men of God. And we have other episodes about how to self-regulate, about how to control your behavior, even though your attractions are things that you don't choose. And when you get triggered, you can't help it. What you can do is determine how you respond to those reactions when they come up. Sexual attraction can change over time. It's not a formula. It's not a matter of causation. It is the beauty of how our brains were created with neuroplasticity. And here's one wonderful way to summarize it. This is a very old saying. I learned it from Michael Leahy from Bravehearts. He said, what you feed grows and what you starve dies. What you feed grows and what you starve dies. Once we can identify the goodness, even within our unwanted sexual attractions, we can feed that. We can feed the desire for acceptance. We can feed the desire for validation, for worthiness, for confidence, for care for whatever it is that you have been attracted to at the deepest level, you can feed that and it'll grow. And the specific impulses, the specific instincts and attractions and urges, the more you're able to talk about them, understand them, appreciate them and manage them, they'll diminish over time. It's not a linear process. In fact, sometimes it feels so cyclical and so maddening, like I'm back in this place again. But in reality, we never come back to the same place. We never go back all the way to the very beginning. We come back to the place on the journey where we left off. And that journey to freedom is so much easier when we can deal with the behaviors and the attractions that we all deal with. So I wonder which one of these four steps is most important for you right now. Talking about your unwanted sexual attraction, understanding it, appreciating it, or managing it. Right now, in this moment, I invite you to commit to taking a step towards one of those four things. Maybe you want to start a conversation with a friend. Maybe you want to read a book. Maybe you want to really go deep with a professional, regardless, as a community, in the Husband Material community and in Husband Material Academy, this is a place, my friends, where we can talk about these things. We can learn how to understand them. We can appreciate the goodness of God's design, even in the middle of brokenness and Day by day, week by week, year by year, we can manage it. What you feed grows, what you starve dies. And now you know a new piece of language, a new tool for your tool belt, 
unwanted sexual attraction. We all have it. Let's talk about it. It has been really surprising for me to find that in our community and Husband Material Academy, the split between people dealing with opposite sex attraction and same sex attraction is rather even. It's like 50-50. And that's really unique. Oftentimes in a ministry, you'll have it specifically appeal to one or the other with a few outliers, but this one is more integrated. And I think it's because we have been approaching it from this perspective of the goodness of God's design, of the brokenness of our attractions, and ultimately the beauty of the desires underneath them. So wherever you are on your journey with unwanted sexual attraction, together, let's learn to talk about it, understand it, appreciate it, and manage it. Always remember, my friend, you are God's beloved son, no matter what your attractions are. In you, he's well-placed. Music